Good evening and welcome to Passion Project, an interview show where we speak to LGBTQ artists from across genre and across the world. We'll get into the work that inspires them, their recent art, and if they had infinite time, resources, and no one to tell them no, what impossible project they would make. I'm your host, Nathan Blades. This week I speak to Ozcore, a tabletop RPG game master and livestream personality. We talk about how the advent of Twitch has changed entertainment, and the joy of setting yourself free from making plans and going full improv. His passion project is spies, sexy suits, and a surprising amount of sensitivity. Welcome esteemed guests to Passion Project. Hello and welcome to another episode of Passion Project. I am your host, Nathan Blades. With me today is a um, one of the people that inspired me to start doing tabletop RPG podcasts like as a thing. So I'm pretty fucking stoked to speak to this guy. I have uh, Ozcore available to speak to this evening. Hello, Ozcore. How are you doing? Hello. Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How are you? <laughs> I am delightful. Thanks to time zones, I'm doing this at half midnight in the morning, but that's how we roll. We do what we need to to get the shot done. Um, so, Ozcore, um, I, I, um, I always, I don't actually know what your, like, I guess, uh, given name is. I just kind of let you be Ozcore as, like, your Shadowrun runner name and never <laughs> questioned that. <laughs> I mean, just Oz is fine. That's what I go... Um... That's what I go by, but mm. um, real life people would just know me as Oscar. Ah, I see. That all makes sense. Wonderful. Yeah, I'll... Oscar was just like a weird, you know, way to pronounce my name that sounded like really cool and edgy. But... Hardcore, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's how that just came about. Yeah, cool. I, I've, I'm learning so much already. Goodness. Uh, so, Oz, uh, tell me about yourself, the the artwork that you do. Sure. Uh, so I am the game master of a uh, actual play Twitch show, uh, pen and paper RPGs, uh, uh, specifically Shadowrun Anarchy. We are called Join the Anarchy, and we play it uh, completely improvised, interactive. So Twitch chat um, while they're watching us live gives us uh, suggestions, like they're at an improv show, except they're constantly shouting at, shouting them at us, and we're monitoring chat, and then we just incorporate them into our story, and we go into every session not having a plan. Maybe we have a little bit of an idea, but very, very, almost never we have a plan, and somehow we manage to like just knock it out of the park each and every time, and it's been really fun. Um, we've already we're already on our second season of the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because we already had, we played the first campaign for about a year-ish, and now uh, we're about nine episodes in, so. It's yeah. Really, it's, yeah. It's been great. And then aside from that, I also, um, I've been helping out on the Arcology podcast, which is another Shadowrun podcast, one of the longest running ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm helping out with an Arcology podcast, so helping with... I'm I'm co-hosting that with Mr. Johnson, and it's a show where we talk Shadowrun Anarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also on Tales from the Stuffer Shack on the Violent Life podcast. Uh, that's a show, that's a Shadowrun Anarchy actual play, uh, where we play Stuffer Shack clerks. So it kind of plays like Shadowrun meets 
clerks the movie yeah and yeah. uh that's been that's been a fun and dirty rump uh and <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, and then I also do like other miscellaneous things on the Shadowcasters Network uh Twitch channel. So we do Once Upon a Tabletop, uh where we play board games but role play them and uh I don't know, just other whatever else floats my boat. <laughs> it's it's rad that you have so many projects going on at once. I can just about manage two. So, you know, <laughs> I'm definitely Yeah, I'm impressed. surprised I can manage this much. But then again, like it's I, I love to give Shadow and Anarchy extra love. Mm-hmm. So, no, cool, yeah. cool. On uh, every every time I have a guest on the Passion Project, I like to make sure that they're nice and relaxed, we chill in, and uh, that you have a drink to chill with. So, what drink are you relaxing with this evening? <laughs> I am currently doing a whiskey with some, actually a bourbon with some amaretto. Oh, a yes. Godfather. Oh, you know the time. Yes. Yes, it is. It's the Godfather. I was about to drop it and then you just went right in. You knew it. That's nice. Uh, uh, While I was in university, I was one of those kids that was like, oh, yes, I like to make cocktails. I'm so skilled (laughs) at all this alcohol going on my kitchen floor. Shit. Uh (laughs) Oh, my God. I have an entire bar set up with like all kinds of booze. And of course, what do I do? Just usually just whiskey, bourbon, call it a day. I don't really mix a lot of that stuff. I have it there for people, but then I bought myself a bottle of Campari thinking, oh, I'll make mm-hmm. myself some Negronis someday. And I still haven't made myself a single one. <laughs> I should really bust that out. Campari is expensive. Mm. Uh, it, it's always the way that it's the like smaller mixer that goes in some cocktails is the one that you get a massive bottle of and will never use up properly. I love mm-hmm. myself a gin martini with olives, none of that lemon shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like the, the vermouth comes in a like six liter bottle and you get like tiny, incredibly expensive bottles of gin. And it's like, cool. I will never use all of this up. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was lucky enough to find uh, like, slightly small bottles of of vermouth Mm -hmm. also learned that because my first bottles of vermouth which were also massive uh they tasted like garbage Mm. and then i found out that vermouth you're supposed to put in the fridge because it's wine yes so it needs to be cold yeah so as soon as you open those bottles pro tip Mm -hmm. put them in your fridge or you will never make a good martini (laughs) i i am now having flashbacks and being like yes Yes, no, that explains a lot. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm now resolved to myself to make sure that I have a well-made gin martini for the next one of these that I do. <laughs> um, as for now, I'm drinking bad instant coffee, but, you know, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you're up at, like, midnight right now. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, so, in two days at time of recording, I'm going to be doing my first live stream, Shadowrun 5th Ed. Um, and that's going to, you know, run like four hours and starts at 11 o'clock at night, my time. So I'm going to have to get used to doing this, but it's all good. I've got to get part of the American contingent, expand my brand. But, um, (laughs) speaking of streaming and, uh, playing tabletop RPGs on the internets, um, what kind of made you decide to get into, um, doing tabletop RPGs as, a, a public shared format as an art form. Uh, well, the inspiration for that was definitely hyper RPG 
Corporate Sins, back when they did their Shadowrun game, uh, they had such a talented cast mm. and a great GM. I love Lauren so much. And, uh, and they were great role players. They were great players. And then they had like all this extra production value. And then they had this community drive behind them. Like, you know, they had this whole meta game going on in the background where like people could join corporations and then influence the game. And I was like, oh man, this is like the coolest game of Shadowrun ever. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if the people that are playing this are aware that they have the coolest Shadowrun game going ever made because there's so much like community love and drive right there you know and people were like donating to give them edge or extra dice and i was like this is so cool and um but i was like obviously i'm not gonna like uh, like i didn't want to do it for shadowrun fifth edition Mm. um i was gming shadowrun fifth edition for two years and then and shadowrun fifth edition I love Shadowrun. Yes, obviously, it's one of the uh, lo- one of the longest RPG franchises going. Yes, I love the cyberpunk world. I love the fantasy meld in it, and I just you know, and I love that it's 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 like a heist RPG or a crime RPG, mm-hmm. and that like all of those themes really drew me to that world. Um, but fifth edition, the rules are notoriously complex, and every time I would run a fifth edition game, I would leave with a splitting headache. Mm-hmm. And I would have to take, I'd have to down like two Advils and sometimes in the, even in the middle of the game, I'd be like, okay, I need a break. I need to take some Advil um, because it was just so much number crunching and, and, you know, helping players figure out, you know, different bonuses. Mm-hmm. I, I guess uh, popping pills while doing a, a dystopian <laughs> cyberpunk thing is incredibly on brand, however. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, so, so when Shadowrun Anarchy came out, which was the more narrative, improv-ish, um, streamlined version of Shadowrun rules. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna. I, the first thing I did was I got the copy from. They had like a preview copy at Gen Con, so first thing I did was I got that preview copy. I read through it. I was super excited from what I was reading, how it was going. I ran a test game with my Shadowrun Fifth Edition players. Some liked it, some hated it. Um, and it, then I was like, okay, when the rules came out and I read the, um, there's a section, there's a chapter in that book, um, about improv or Mm -hmm. not even improv, just how to, how to, you know, play that game, uh, and run it and like do the yes and, and all that stuff, um, that's central to improv. I was like, wait a second. And then like, it just like all these ideas just started clicking one right after the other. And I'm like, I could do a Shadowrun anarchy version of what hyper RPG does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really what kind of set me on that path. And so I gathered my fifth edition players, whoever was interested. And I said, you know, I want to do this show. What do you guys think? And they were all on board. And so they hopped on, we started doing it, and now here we are, like, what, two years later? Yeah. So it's been, it's been, it's been great. Yeah, no, it's, um, 
uh, cool that you've managed to uh, essentially actually kind of just um, exact the vision that you had of kind of like, yes, this is the kind of uh, community and uh, style of play that I love about this existing thing and uh, making mm -hmm. it my own in a way that works just as well. So it's like really rad that you've managed to kind of land that. Um, interesting. I've always found it really interesting about Shadowrun Anarchy being very much an improv game. Even uh, you take it to the next level with a large number of kind of um, community suggestions as you play live. But even compared to like your average tabletop RPG uh, and the amount of freedom that you get specifically in the system. There's like the whole, there's mechanics within Shadowrun Anarchy. For those who don't know the system, uh, there's a thing called plot points in it, which is a limited resource that you can spend um, to change the narrative in a way outside your own character's control. Is that a good way to describe that? Yeah, yeah. Basically, the, you know, it's, it's a way to inject something into the story that you can use right mm. sometimes I, i'm sure this has happened to you right everyone i think everybody has this story where you're sitting at an rpg table well anybody who's played rpgs rather they mm. have this story you're sitting there you have your character you have this great concept and then your gm has this mission going and you have absolutely nothing that your character could possibly excel at yeah yeah <laughs> right and so you're just sitting there like oh what do i do and so you could spend a plot point to kind of inject something in there that maybe your gm hadn't considered on how to bring you in and now all of a sudden you know you've created you know just something that you can exploit and manipulate that is key to your character or you can uh just throw in all kinds of great plot twists or little uh, methods of of escape or just ways to solve the problems faster, mm -hmm. right? Than having to figure out the whole puzzle box that your game master has set up and sometimes possibly didn't set up well enough. Yes. Right? Yeah. So. It's always um, uh, when you're from like the GM who's designing the game that you're everybody's playing point of view, it's really hard to, I guess, like double check the nature of the thing you have made because you can't tell your players because that would, Right. Ruin the concept thereof. So uh, having the ability for the players to kind of give that a little bit of um, push to direct it in a way that makes everything flow more freely. How improv is supposed to work with the yes and to kind of um, uh, punch up what other people can do is a thing I really like about A, improv in general and B, how you can do that in tabletop RPGs. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing I wanted to ask actually is how the nature of doing stuff like Shadowrun and other, other tabletop RPGs changes when you take it from your kitchen table to a recorded format. Because I record, I, I do my own uh, podcast uh, about Shadowrun. It's called The Talent Agency. You can find it on Podbean and iTunes. Yes. <laughs> God. Shameless show on my I... own show. I can do that. It's fine. You can, yes. <laughs> uh, but that's different from... That's not live. So if there's parts in it that I'm like, mm, I don't know, that we, we, we vacillate for a while, and so I'm going to kind of slice that bit out. Or uh, I want to take that part again. The improv we did was great, but let's kind of get it crystallized in a way that can make it really snazzy in post-editing. But doing it live on stream is such a different experience. Uh, so I want to find out more about what it's like to do tabletops, like, super live. Um, 
it's well at this point it's not even nerve-wracking it's just it's it started off that way i guess where i was like oh man there's a lot of pressure to Mm, just mm. make the number one concern is that you don't have dead air yes and even then sometimes you have dead air right because you're kind of just sitting there staring at each other and be like oh something needs to happen and luckily at this point we're all kind of trained enough to just like hop in for each other which is another one of those things that improv teaches right Mm -hmm. where you know you improv isn't just isn't about being funny and clever and coming up with stuff it's about when you see that there's a there's a ball that's been dropped to grab it real quick Mm -hmm. and pick it back up so just jump in even if you don't even know what you're gonna do but just do something yeah um and so so but the the main issue that i have with doing live stuff is sometimes there's like a technical issue and all of a sudden like i'm i'm in a mode where maybe I'm in the middle of something or there's a really important scene going on. And then, you know, for some reason, like somebody's camera is starting to flicker off or, you know, our microphone just suddenly knocked off or I don't know, like all kinds of stuff happens live. And I guess that's the exciting part of live, Mm -hmm. uh, live shows. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really that you don't get a second take, uh, when you are on, you have to fix your problems immediately. You have to jump in for each other and support each other. And you have to commit to the first thing that you just said. Mm-hmm. And that has led to some really cool stuff. Like we had, um, we had recently, and I don't want to, I don't want to do too many spoilers, but one of the players kind of dropped that she was a special kind of mage mm. and she had no idea that she was, it was just kind of, uh, it was just kind of like an accidental, like, oops, I said it. And then she's like, oh, well, I guess this is it. And I was I was looking at her like, what? <laughs> but we were like, nope, let's just go with it because it's been said, it's out there, and that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and so ever since then we ran with it, and it's been a fun, dramatic storyline. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really all it is. Aside from that, I mean, it's kind of the same. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess also you have to be inter- you have to be more entertaining than you would be with other with like at a table. You know, you can be more um, permissive, maybe a little more chill. Mm. Um, you know, and when you're in front of a camera, you always ha- you want to be like as hyped as possible. You want to be dramatic and engaging, and you don't have to you don't have that pressure when you're just like hanging out at a table and there's nobody there except you guys. Like if it's working for you guys, you're good. Mm, but when mm. you're in front of a camera, you just want to make sure that you're always like going, on. Going, yeah, going. <laughs> I know. There's definitely been times where um, I've been playing off mic. And something just happens, or there's just a really off-color joke, or somebody's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's <laughs> terrible audio. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh wait, 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 it doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no. There's there's also that level of like, okay, immediate auto censorship. Make sure that we don't say anything offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we uh. You know, luckily that's easy. We're none of us are assholes, but I think we're like. But you know, every once in a while, you want you, you know, things come up, and we're just like, okay, let's make sure that this is handled properly. Breathe, say, yeah. <laughs> you know, I definitely know that. Um, since leaving part of the improv open to the audience, there's the potential for their sense of bawdy question mark humor 
um, to be kind of like injected into the thing. I, I remember watching one of the streams from the first season um, where it was like, ah, oh, there is an ancient collection that somebody's been working on for a while. And immediately somebody in the chat is like, it's sex toys. And all yeah. of you collectively sighed and went, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was part of our our rule of dildo, Mm -hmm. which is uh, if if somebody says dildo or something just, you know, obnoxious in chat like that, um, just don't go for it. Like, the the thing is, like, you know, when someone says sex toys, dildos, you know, crazy, provocative, funny, you know, college humor kind of shit, you know, it's your first instinct is like, aha, that's hilarious. Let's take it. But then you start realizing that, you know, then you're fighting with dildo swords on a dildo airplane. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, let's not go down that route. You know, let's try and take serious or not serious suggestions isn't the right thing because like, most of the suggestions we take cleverer. Exactly. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. Um, yeah. And we, we were we made sure to like let our audience know that from the jump. Like, listen, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't stop us though. We've we've had I think that was that same mission. It ended up being like porn magazines or something yes, that's that were right. haunted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to make it like laser targeted body humor when you know that there is like the perfect opportunity where it will make it like shine rather than be just evenly spread across the content um like so much metaphor that i won't go into because that would be doubling down my own joke uh mm. um so you also mentioned um one of your other shows which oh gosh i had written down and now i don't necessarily have it you do board games where you improv on top of that and that's real neat yes yeah once upon a tabletop there we we go thank you are yeah. So, uh, yeah, that one we we grab different uh, different board games because uh, before I started pen and paper, which was actually relatively recently. I know everybody, a lot of people I've met have like these long, distinguished careers in pen and paper, and I really started like three or four years ago when I started GMing Shadowrun Fifth Edition. Sure. Um, or rather, no lies. I started I started when I started playing Pathfinder. So that it's been it's been longer than that. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, before that, I was huge into tabletop. I love board games. I still love board games. We have this huge collection. Like, our, our friends have basically kind of just... Whenever a new board game comes in, everybody pitches in, so that way it just costs us all, like, five or ten bucks, and we buy, like, this mega board game, and then we add it to the shelf, and then we bust it out, we play it, and then maybe it keeps seeing the light of day, maybe it doesn't. But, um... So, yeah, so board gaming is a huge passion of mine, and so... When we were with the Shadowcasters Network, we were thinking, you know, we want more tabletop shows, but we want something that's going to be, you know, where less, uh, less intensive in the preparation front. You know, when you have a role playing show, you need to have a GM that's like there for it. And right now we're kind of short on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm running during the anarchy and then everybody else is doing their podcast stuff. But we and we're going to be bringing in soon another uh, GM as well, um, Cassie from Original Box Set and her husband John. They're going to be doing a Pathfinder campaign. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Yeah. Um, there. Uh, so, yeah. So we were just like, okay, well, we want to do something tabletop, and I was like, okay, well, let's play board games, like kind of what Will Wheaton does. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, let's give it a twist, right? Because I've watched board game streams on Twitch and I'm kind of like, eh, ho-hum. I mean, it's, it's cute, but at the same time, it's, you know, people just kind of sitting around deciding what they're going to do and not much context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's when I was like, well, wait a second, why don't we just role play the action that we're doing so that maybe we're not necessarily making the best decisions, but we're doing the in-character decision and we like kind of create this dramatic role play around it. And we've had some really great, great outcomes. We've done uh, Mansions of Madness, Mm -hmm. which is that Lovecraftian game where um, you explore the mansion, uh, and that was that was fun, you know, the priest losing his faith and this one lady that was just like getting covered in blood from all the monsters she was killing. Um, and then Dead of Winter, where we killed a dog and uh, and a pirate and then basically chopped them up into food a because pirate. we were starving. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a smuggler pirate, not like a not like a hermit. Yeah. No, but, I'd be uh, like, what are they doing up a mountain? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that ended in a fabulous blaze of glory. And then, and yeah, and then we, we even did for our recent streamathon, we did the game of life. Mm-hmm. You remember that board game from your childhood? Yeah. Uh, and role playing we... that. I can definitely make that. That definitely would make it more, um, uh, enticing. Cause you know, uh, a lot yeah. of old board games are definitely, um, fatalistic in how they're designed, as in you roll the dice and then you have no input as a thing. And as I recall, the mm-hmm. game of life is very that. It's just entirely left. Just up like to... real life. Yeah. <laughs> we have no autonomy. We just all uh, simulacrums in a machine, something, something, something. I agree. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, but then we, we added to once to um to the game of life we added the wheel of misfortune so every once in a while we would spin and we would get stuff like you know kidnapping and murder you know car crash and stuff like that and um that helped spice things up a bit yeah but it was it was fun it was fun we didn't get to finish the game though for the streamathon so it's definitely one of those things i want to go back to and experiment with again Mm -hmm. but it it just goes to show like all of those games have like these really strong themes, but sometimes they kind of get lost in just playing it mechanically. So to add that extra layer, it really brings this vivacity to it. And it's just, it's electric when it works. Yeah. It makes me now (laughs) think of like what kind of board game would like fit really well within the framework where you're RPing it as you do it. Mysterium immediately comes to mind. Oh, I love Mysterio. Oh, Ghost Clue, that was the best game. Yeah, Ghost Clue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, Mysterium is great. I actually, I've brought that up um, as an option. It's on our, it's on our list. Hmm. We have a list of games that, uh, that I was like, Ooh, this must, this must be done. Um, I would love to do a time stories game. Oh gosh. Yes. I I have that on my shelf as well. It was bought for me um, as kind of like a birthday slash leaving town for a new job present but because it requires uh four people who you trust implicitly and multiple sessions so you don't you know tear each other's mm-hmm. hair out i've not played it yet i'm saving it for that special three other people if those three other people are out there listening please hit me up so we can play time stories <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love time stories and we we have every expansion oh gosh like that's how much our, that's how much we love it and actually um we have we have two groups that play time stories we have we have the first group which is our like we know that we're going to actually take the story seriously group mm-hmm. 
And then we have a second group that doesn't take the story seriously that we watch play. <laughs> uh, I see. <laughs> and that's really fun. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah. I, um, I'm really interested in finding more uh, about the kind of like dynamic between you and the other people who are on Shadow's Ca- Shadowcasters Network and the work that you do. And also what your passion project might be. But we will find out more about that after the break. You are listening to Passion Project on Bunkerzilla Radio. And we're back. This is Passion Project on Bunkerzilla Radio. I'm your host, Nathan. With the with me this evening is Oz, Ozcore slash Oscar, the uh ooh, um cyberpunk future dice overlord is is how <laughs> I will frame you under this segment. And also like kind of technically TV producer in in your own special way. Yeah, yeah, I guess we could call it that. It is. It is that. I mean, like, on-demand streaming is the new TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Twitch is definitely its own monster. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm always surprised how many, like, whenever I say, oh, yeah, I stream on Twitch, I get a lot of, like, what's Twitch? And so, oh, I for guess real? I'll, yeah. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't know it. So um, I guess if, if anybody doesn't know it, I'll just clarify. Twitch is a streaming service. You just show yourself mainly twitch is catered to gamers Mm. so people usually just kind of stream themselves playing a video game of some kind um sometimes they're on camera sometimes they're not they're providing commentary maybe uh usually if you have a good channel Mm -hmm. uh and uh and yeah so but we decided to go down the board gaming and tabletop gaming rpg route which there's also a market for uh critical role being the most famous example yeah absolutely Um, yeah uh and the geek and sundry channel so yeah and so we uh we got together uh myself and a bunch of other Shadowrun podcast creators uh decided let's get together create this twitch channel um and actually how it came about was really weird it was um I was brought into the Shadowcasters network, which is like this concept that um, Bobby from Complex Action and uh, some like everybody else that's on there right now had. But I always think of Bobby as kind of like the head of that Mm -hmm. whole project. Um, He had this idea, like, let's just all get together, create this network. And then the Twitch channel, uh, I was just going to stay on my own, join the Anarchy channel. Sure. Um, And then... There was the the first streamathon ever to like raise money to get us going for the full year, get the Shadowcasters Network going, um, and we opened this Twitch channel. We did this thirty six hour you know long thing of just nonstop content, and that experience got everybody kind of like hooked into continuing that channel, especially because we had so many followers and so many contributions on that channel. Mm -hmm. So then I moved to join the anarchy to that one, six world podcast, which was Bobby's thing got moved there because he was doing Twitch stuff as well. Sure. Sure. Um, He was just doing like those interview shows. Um, And then, you know, and then Damien and Mr. Johnson got involved and they started streaming their own things. And so it's been, it's been, it was just kind of like this beast that was born out of, random you know discovery yeah and now we're here i guess uh 
by doing that that thirty six like holy hell um, hour streamathon, <laughs> um, what better way to kind of forge a team slash friendship than uh, kind of working together on hashtag content for that long period of time? Thirty six hours of stress and no sleep. It was great. Mm-hmm. Actually, it wasn't that stressful. I mean, it was stressful for Bobby, but I was like, it's okay, Bobby. Here, let's do this. Let's do that. And so, like, we worked together on that schedule um, and, you know, just making sure everything would run smoothly. And I don't know, we were able to pull it off. And we pulled it off again just recently. Um, yes. Earlier this month. I, I tuned I tuned into some of that uh, for what oh, my yeah? schedule would allow. I got to play uh, Jackbox with y'all. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm uh, I'm six of spades on Twitch. So, uh, oh, I know you. Yes. Um, I, I, yes. I did kind of like, okay, <laughs> at the, um, the, the one that looks like the eighties neon, like betting one. Bracketeering. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I, I was yeah. okay at that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, that was, a. uh, it's interesting to have, um, the, those kind of uh, shows streamed on Twitch, like clearly Jackbox is designed actually really well for the kind of like live play, but also because we normally see a lot of you in um, not necessarily more structured format, because obviously uh, Join the Anarchy, for example, is really improv heavy, but it's still kind of under a really specific kind of framework. And we see you mm-hmm. in a very specific kind of context. It's like, oh, we're going to do uh, this um, like comedy video game for uh for an hour and a bit, and I'm gonna make as many Shadowcasters After Dark jokes as I can get into an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I actually I run Jackbox maybe like once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been doing it lately, but I probably should. I love playing Jackbox. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a fun party game that anybody can you know just participate in if you're watching the channel. So. I figured, why not? My my focus a lot on Twitch is heightening the interactivity yeah. that they get between the content and the the viewer. Um, because you uh... basically, I, yeah, I just don't like. I just don't want to like perform for people, but then have nothing kind of come back. Sure, I get that. I get that. And and feed into it. You mentioned um, the thing I, that that's... you liked about um, the corporate sins um Mm -hmm. stream that there was a lot of kind of like back and forth between the community and the players which you then adopted Mm -hmm. on join the anarchy yeah exactly and that's that's the that's what makes twitch so unique Mm -hmm. right when you're doing that you have an audience there talking and and interacting with you even if you're playing a video game you know you can just keep a conversation going with people in a chat room while you know you're killing whatever uh and and yeah that's to me that's you know i i don't want to make content for twitch that doesn't include the audience because otherwise why not just make it a podcast or why not just make it a you know a youtube video sure sure that makes sense um even within the this new series there's like a, a boss for the like viewers to kill during mm-hmm. the during the stream which is like wild to me i i must admit i am kind of a bit of a, a neophyte in terms of like watching twitch stuff live i tend to watch like the on-demand streams after the fact um so mm-hmm. initially coming across it, it's like i do not get what this thing is but um it's 
like a different way of the players being able to kind of insert themselves into the story, right? If you kill the boss, you get to design an NPC. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, so it, we have um, we have this meter, basically, and any time that anybody supports the channel in any way, so following, subscribing, cheering, etc., uh, it knocks off HP from the stream boss, and then every time the stream boss is defeated, whoever did, whoever did the killing blow becomes the stream boss, and their name is there on our stream. Um, and so we all get rewarded in game with some edge, which is to help us reroll stuff in the game, but then um, the last stream boss of the night whoever's still left, uh, they get to, um, we, we talk after the stream is done and we create an NPC over the course of those two weeks uh-huh. that we're going to insert into the next, uh, episode. Ah, yes. Uh, and that like, um, factors in, um, with the kind of like fully improv nature of, of, of the show, especially since you even do like a call out for, um, or I guess to, to kind of explain what I remember about the rules of Shadowrun Anarchy, I should know how that game is played. Um, a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> I should know how that game is played, whether I do remains to be proven. Um, most missions, at least within the book themselves have like a list of tags that describe the kind of nature and genre of the mission that the players do and you uh turn to the audience for that uh which is why you you do very very little pre-planning um in do you have like personally uh, an improv background before you kind of went into doing streaming stuff or did you learn as you went i slightly have an improv background um i've never performed uh on an actual stage but i did take um so, okay, so I was a theater and film student in um, high school and college, mm-hmm. and then uh, that was that was my degree. And uh, when I was in college, I did one improv class, so one semester, and that is my training in improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I can say that I'm trained, but I can't say that I'm a professional. Um, but a lot of that class has stuck with me in how I treat RPGs and how I treat game mastering and how I, um, and, and the show in general. Um, so every once in a while I will talk with my, my cast members and I'm like, Hey, here's an improv tip. And we've all gotten better because we just kind of have like this discussion back and forth where it kind of feels like every show that we do is a new learning experience on how to improve our improv. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 the extent of my improv training. I got an A in the class, so I guess I did it pretty well. Nailed it. Nailed <laughs> it. Um for the kind of like uh tabletop players and GMs out there listening to this show, is there any kind of like off the cuff improv advice you could give to them? Um for tabletop players. Uh well, I'm I'm sure everybody's already tired of hearing the yes and advice. So, let me try something else. Um Yes, let's, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to go back to yes and anyway. Um, so yes and being the, uh, the, the idea that when you are in a conversation with somebody or, or actually not even a conversation, when you're just even act, when you're there at the table and something is presented in front of you, you don't say no to it. You don't deny it's, you don't deny it. Mm. Um, and you say you accept it. Um, sometimes it's as easy as just going, yes. Like if you were ever thrown off 
by what someone has just said to you, just say yes. Because at that point, you are committed to saying yes. Mm -hmm. And you are now going forward with what has been said as accepted fact. Um, If what you have just said yes to is wrong, in which, by which I mean, if somebody has um, brought something up that contradicts something that you know has already come up before because maybe they weren't listening. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to justify it. So you say yes, but the reason that that's true and the thing prior is true is because. So you have to put a little extra work there. Uh, Listening is also very important, Mm -hmm. which is something that sometimes I'm not great at because I would love to just gm but i'm also in charge of making sure the stream is going fine and making sure that my music is playing at just the right time and you know jotting down the note like so i'm not sometimes i'm not always paying the kind of attention that i should Mm -hmm. which eh. that's everybody listening is not just you (laughs) i know i know but listening is very important because that's how you pay attention to what that's how you pay attention, basically. I mean, you have to know what's going on at the table. Otherwise, you're going into the scene not knowing exactly what's what the situations are, mm-hmm. what the stakes are, where things even are in the scene. I mean, I don't know how many times I've had situations at a tabletop game where, you know, somebody has established that they are naked and then, you know, they – the for whatever reason, the scene just continues and Nobody reacts. they have clothes on. <laughs> Nobody reacts. They have clothes on. Uh, you know, somehow they're still, they have sheathed swords. I don't know. Like, and, or, or other things like, you know, there's a, there's a sword over, there's an object, right? That you need. Mm -hmm. And it's on this side of the room, but then for whatever reason, suddenly it's like outside. So there's, that's object permanence, which is where, you know, you, once you've established something, you have to keep it there until you actually interact with it and move it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And and that's where listening comes in, because if you're listening and paying attention, then you know that the thing that is here has now moved over there. So, so there's that. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's... Yes, and is the, is the main thing. You need to accept, you need to listen, and you need to just go with it because once you go with it you are moving the story forward mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in some way um nice so yeah no that's that's incredibly useful and maybe this is a great time to put that lesson in improv into practice because <laughs> <laughs> on every episode of the passion project i like to ask my guests if you had infinite time infinite money and nobody to tell you no what impossible thing would you create? So, Oz, what is your passion project? Uh, I would love to make a movie. Okay. And I would love to make... I would love to make the Shadowrun movie. Like, the definitive Shadowrun movie. That would be great. Mm-hmm. If not that... Um, okay. So... My my passion project for for sure though because I mean okay so I was I grew up in I did my film degree so obviously yeah I want to make a movie I want to make it millions and millions of dollars and make it the blockbuster and whatever um, but I think for real though my passion project would be and it's something I've always wanted to make and this is going to sound really weird um, I love gay dating sims mm-hmm. I would love 
to make the gay RPG, like, super intense, dating sim-esque slash dungeon crawly game. Oh my god. Like, all the... I would love yes. to do that. That would be my that would be my passion project. Okay. For sure. And I would I would love to do that. But um, you know, I'm not an artist. I don't draw. I don't model. Um, I'm great at I I'm very big into game theory and I love just um and I, and I love creating games. Mm-hmm. I've always grown up making them up in some way. So like, you know, a little board game made out of paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh um so yeah, I would love to do. I would. That would be my thing. Okay, for sure. we can definitely work with that. I'm super into this idea. <laughs> this is definitely a game I would play. So dungeon crawler RPG, but also dating. Yes. Right. So first question is, what is this dungeon? Are we going classic high fantasy? There is a cave, a giant wizard's tower. Are we mm-hmm. infiltrating into? multiple corporate alcologies to find the people we are dating i would love to do so i have two mm-hmm. there's the classic uh you know fantasy thing which you know standard. standard um i would actually probably have more fun doing a like 1970s but modern like 1970s inspired but but futuristic, near futuristic mm-hmm. technology, um, spies. Yeah, like mod I retro future. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that would be my thing. I would do like a bunch of spies, and they would all be like named after different colors of the rainbow, including like all of those weird Crayola colors mm-hmm. and like Razmataz. And then like those are their agent names, and they're out. They like you recruit. Um, or not recruit like you're one of you're the new guy and you have you know all of these other agents in the field that have their own levels of expertise and you need to go on missions with them Mm, mm. all over the globe and so you do a little side mission with them and you learn something about them and then maybe you start falling in love with them or you know hitting on them or whatever and then um and then as you progress and you keep doing missions with all these different agents, you start picking which one you want. And then you go on missions with them more often. And then, like, you save the world from the whatever the anti-gay threat is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... It can be on the uh, nose. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. No, it has to be. I mean, if you're going to make it... If you're going to make it, like, all of these gay guys are working for this, you know, spy agency. Mm-hmm. Like, they're obviously fighting gay crime or anti-gay crime sure so i mean you know okay uh, i mean like the I, anti-gay i'm sure conspiracy. there would definitely be like tutorial missions where it's just kind of like ah uh, there's a whole bunch of queer anarchists out there they're being gay and mm-hmm. doing crimes we want to we, we're supposed to stop them but also but also uh, yeah. yeah yeah i mean i'm enjoying agent <laughs> charterese and his uh is his band of, of of secret agents there's something i've always yes. loved in it's a really really anime trope where the protagonist fights somebody and they are like the biggest scariest rivals even though it's like episode three and then you mm-hmm. defeat them and then they become your best friend and then they're part of your traveling <laughs> adventuring party so are we doing some secret spy missions defeat defeating some other spy rivals to join our cause oh. maybe 
oh, of course, maybe not join your cause. Maybe they're like kind of like Catwoman where you never know if they're on your side or not. And so you have like some of those uh, those question marks. The That's if you like the bad guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> the bad boys. <laughs> I mean, you got to cater to the audience, right? you got to get for the people yeah. who are... <laughs> uh, now I'm just picturing like you've got um, Agent Charteroos. I'm, I'm, I'm putting words into your mouth about what kind of color the main character is. I like chartreuse. I got to say, that's really cool. I like it. <laughs> he's like a, a weird lime greeny color. It's great. Um, he's looking through like these dossiers of these spies. And then one of them is just a headless torso. And it's like, oh, they're mm-hmm. so mysterious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, the, uh, the, the, one of the bad guys, he just, it's just, when, you know, when they have their videos of like, these are my demands, mm-hmm. he just... It's just Morse code with ba- with peck bouncing. <laughs> <laughs> we can't break this code. It's too well encrypted. Well, I have seen much titty juggling before, and I know the secret answer to this message. It's Morse code. <laughs> oh my god! I just came up with that. Uh, That's ridiculous. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's great. It's great. Ah, uh, okay. So, what kind of like spy gadgetry and weaponry do we kind of have as part of our arsenal? Um, well, aside from all of the standard stuff, let's see. So we would have to have really great suits, Mm -hmm. obviously, that can be torn off at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, what else? Weird. There has to be like, like everything has to have some kind of weird sexual misuse to it. I just, you know, it's, yeah. (laughs) But I, I haven't, I definitely haven't delved that deep into it, but that would kind of be my, that would be my first thought is, you know, why have a pen that does, you know, a thing when you can have a pen that also doubles as a probe or something. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I definitely like the idea of the um, really elaborate <laughs> oh suits that are also tactically removable. Um, <laughs> it feels like it would be definitely like a really elaborate customization mechanic in this game where not only the color that you decide to give it, and there is a proper color wheel with lum and sat in hue, uh, and each mm-hmm. one of those combinations will change the stat of your suit. So that's real important Ooh. that you have to choose. Uh, but also, you know, if you remove that left sleeve, not only does that left sleeve become, I don't know, like some kind of spy drone that can go into air ducts, but also, like, you know, your your right peck is is now exposed. You get some kind of bonuses for doing that. It turns out that yes. the villain of this mission is a real arms guy. So you got to, like, spec for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, we okay. Clearly, you and I need to be working on this game together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Yeah. I. This is this is now the tabletop RPG I will write. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Okay. That's how we should do it because that way we can just save ourselves on an artist and we just make the. Yeah, oh my god. Elaborate rules. Elaborate rules. All right. I'm gonna add this onto my project plate. Like priority. This is this is where we're going. Oh, okay. Uh, what other kind of questions do I want to kind of ask about the nature of this game? Multiplayer. No. Ooh, single player experience. It's a one on one with you and your spy buds. Yeah, because I don't know. I feel like doing a dating sim multiplayer is kind of creepy. Mm. It's borderline creepy. Oh, I get what you mean. I I guess in my head it was more. Like you 
separately pursue your own love interests and you get to offer you know emo- i i am I'm, I'm super into like dating sims that are more about kind of like actual i guess emotional range slash vulnerability like it's not just a kindness oh me too me too yeah that would be there it's just amidst all of this perv stuff yeah it's both it's it's (laughs) it's consensual spy perv stuff it's great but Mm -hmm. like you know if you're 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 playing this game like couch co-op with your bae you've both got separate like spy (laughs) love interests you're into agent wisteria and they're into agent burgundy and that's entirely fine Uh and like (laughs) agent Agent Burgundy has like some friction at the moment. It's not going well. And you can just press X to console to kind of give them that pep talk. Press Y to brunch. Just kind of, you know. <laughs> Girl talk. Mm-hmm. Yes. You've got to keep yourself oh, okay. even well, kill. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's that's a way to do it. I could see that. I guess maybe it's not couch co-op. Maybe it's more of the kind of like... Um, it's drop in, drop out. Yeah, or like the Pokemon Go like ranged present giving. Like you, you pop yeah. into your own spy mission, and then like your your spy girlfriends have sent you a spy care package, and you're just like, oh, babes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's got my pro. I would probably pen that just I was looking for. Thank I would you. probably still stick to single player. Fair. Also, because that's easier to program. Definitely fair. That's very well. You do have for a infinite game. infinite money for for your programming oh, that's team. That's true. Hmm. I don't know. I'd still. I think I'd still make it single player. I guess maybe there could be like a, like a leaderboard. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, uh, I don't know. Assigning points to something like that is also kind of borderline creepy. Yes. Uh, I, yeah. Very very fair. Uh, is this gonna have really big AI? You know, are we are we going to code our perfect AI boyfriend who's also a spy? Uh yes. Hmm. I mean, if I'm going to have unlimited amounts of um, funding here, yeah, I want I want the perfect AI to, you know, just be that character and you can just talk to see if, okay, if you could just do where you type, where you type in your answer instead of select from like a dialogue tree and they just respond back because they're the super advanced, you know, mm-hmm. sex bot AI, that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, that would definitely make the um, kind of like your your fact finding kind of missions rather than the kind of breaking and entering you need to kind of like get the information out from this person he's a a czar at a casino he won't talk to anybody who's not mm-hmm. he's not on the right level and you just kind of like slide into this venue your suit specially customized he's a legs man so the trousers are very very short maybe non-existent it's <laughs> fine it's fine um and you just go and basically just type your way in into his heart and that's fine yeah oh man oh i guess the final thing is what is the name of this game before we wrap up for the day uh it has to be like agents of something Mm -hmm. some kind of i don't know it has to be i haven't thought of it but it's it's all it's still it's still an alpha yeah right now yeah pre-alpha (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess it's um it's it's got it's like project name of agent chartreuse and you uh yeah Ooh. agent chartreuse and uh something something yeah uh well well the kind of like um i i'm now thinking of like the austin powers movies as as uh as much of a thing mm-hmm. as those were they all had terrible subtitles so i need to go and find out what those are and then steal the them. spy who shagged me and all that yeah yeah 
Oh, yeah, no, they, they weren't as creative as uh, International Man of Mystery, sure, okay. Um, hmm. Yeah. There, there is some kind of sex pun that could be made with International Man of Mystery, but I am too tired to <laughs> to devise it. I'm not strong enough. My improv game is too weak. I'm sorry, I can't compete. I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing a great job right now either. So, <laughs> uh, we'll just call it Project Chartreuse for now. Please, please yes. look out for Project Chartreuse on Steam Greenlight on itch.io. You know what? If you're listening and you're an artist that draws really hot, muscular guys that, you know, have removable clothing, you give us a holler and we will, we will all get together and make this happen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Business deals made over podcasting. This is how we work. <laughs> oh, oh, this is beautiful. Thank you so much for appearing on the show with me. This has been fantastic. Of course. Oh, uh, if people want to find you and your content, where can they get at that shit? Okay, so um, if you want Shadowcasters Network in general, you want to go on Twitter, at SRCasters, and the website, shadowcasters.network. If you want to join the Anarchy, then you go to at Twitch Anarchy on Twitter, and the website is jointheanarchy.shadowcasters.network. You can see all of our episodes there. And if you want me, I am at Ozcore on Twitter. Mm -hmm. With two Zs. Two Zs. Nice. It's it's O Z Z K O R E. Beautiful. Sorry about the spell. No, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at writerblades, or you can get at me on my actual kind of like uh, podcasting network of just my ones, just myself, uh, uh, Phantom Arts Ent E N T on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much, and we will see you all next time. Goodbye! Bye! Passion Project is produced by Nathan Blades for Bunkerzilla Radio. The theme music is Smooth Lovin' by Kevin McLeod.